so this is weird. It's very weird. Right? It's weird on two we, fronts, we because normally we'd be together. Odd. Normally we'd be together. And what's more is normally we would be able to at least see each other if we weren't together. Because I've been using Zoom so much. Right. That it feels weird to be talking to someone who I can't see. You've been reduced to a a radio frequency on my on my screen here. I know it's a little bit sad, but you know what? We're gonna make do, and we are. Uh, we're, we're not gonna let a little uh, a little virus uh, disband our uh, our efforts here, are we? Well, I think it's a pretty big virus. I mean, not actually, <laughs> because viruses are very small and microscopic. So I've been told, but yes, mm. <laughs> on pushing forward. I, I take it you picked up on my sarcasm there. I didn't. I mean, I can't see you, so I'm... <laughs> it's that's difficult true. for me to read. Okay, that's fair. That's absolutely fair. Well, you know, I figured we'd get started because, you know, obviously we're we're kind of in this new space. Describe to me what, what do you see? What is your environment right now? What have you surrounded yourself with? Okay, so my current work from home environment. So me and my husband are both at home. He, though, is accustomed to working from home. So he is in our, like, what, what is our office slash guest room, mm-hmm. really multi-purpose room. Did some yoga in there this morning, so it's firing on all cylinders. But wow. his editing suite is set up in the office. And I have set up my, quote-unquote, office in the kitchen. So we have this, like, big island, and then behind me is the couch and, um, like, two really nice open windows. And then in front of me is the kitchen. We're kind of in the middle of like our upstairs space. That's you know, what's interesting is that it doesn't sound like you're in a kitchen right now. Yeah, I, there's not like that echoey kind of ring. Yeah, I don't know. The, uh, I mean, maybe the sophisticated AirPods, um, the AirPod technology. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it's been, it. it's been going well. It's like well lit, um, lots of fresh air. The dog like can come and go, you know, between our two rooms, which is nice. And um, snacks are always on demand. In my classroom, I never have enough food. <laughs> and my kitchen just isn't running out anytime soon. So that's that's lucky. What's your work environment like? Um, well, you know, selecting a work environment for me is a little more challenging. What with two very small children uh, screaming throughout the house uh, fairly regularly. So the challenge has been trying to find a space where even if they are off being rambunctious, uh, in, in another part of the house, kind of coordinating myself off so that, um, that doesn't serve as a distraction. And I have landed in the guest room, which is downstairs kind of, it's by the living room. So a lot of where that action takes place, but there's a nice, door with a child lock on it so no one can sneak their way in wow um, although I think my oldest is very close to figuring those out I think our time is limited um, <laughs> on that but uh, I just have I just have a chair and um, a little uh, little tiny desk in here and uh, and it's cozy it's uh it, it's it's pretty nice uh, yeah and I and I can't complain it's it's odd that I'm doing work from a bedroom like I'm just sitting here right next to a bed but just like um, college yeah exactly yeah I'm, I'm, I'm everything re- in one the, place uh, the dorm experience for sure yeah I mean we definitely are innovating <laughs> it's been so fun though to see like where everyone you know zooms in from the kids other advisors Keith and Becky I like I really do love it's like you get to know a person so much more even with that like tiny background of, of their room that they're that they're zooming in from 
it it really like jumpstarts my curiosity because I see all these things and it, there's a story behind all of it, and I just totally. I want to know. I, I want to know like why, where, where, what is that? Where did that come from? Mm-hmm. Wait, who was that that walked in the background just now? Yeah, so many um, questions. Yeah, so it's it's been fun. It's been amusing. But hey, you know what? I think that we should uh, we should get our audience caught up here uh, because a lot's happened over the past seven days. Literally uh, more it, than has happened in my life in the last seven years. And I've had an eventful yeah. seven years. But oh my God, yeah, these last seven days have been a wild ride. Well, this is, of course, the Odyssey of Learning podcast. I'm Hunter. And I'm Courtney. Uh, make no mistake, we are here. Um, but a lot has happened. Obviously, the coronavirus or COVID-19, as we are professionally referring to it as, um, has not only changed life in our communities out here in Southern California, but this has just been a global uh, thing, as, as you are well aware of by now. Um, but this has a special place as it pertains to the effect on schools and, and what exactly that has looked like, how that's manifested itself in our day-to-day work. Um, a lot of my friends and family have asked me, are you, are you, is your school closed? Is your school closed? And the short answer is yes. Uh, but as most Southern California educators know, we're, we're still working. We're, we're, we're never still going closed. at it. And school has never closed in the sense that we are still um, delivering an education to our young people uh, in, in any way that we can. Um, but to put this in, in perspective a little bit, obviously, California is uh, just one of 50 states and, and many states are taking different approaches, not just with schools, but with restaurants and bars and, and all these other public places. Public gatherings are now being uh, scrutinized, of course. Uh, but here in California, it was recommended that the school systems um, at least temporarily close for two weeks retroactive to the beginning of this past week. Um, and so what we saw was a lot of school districts in our state declare um, that they are going to be closed uh, for two weeks. Um, most school districts that I'm aware of, like ours, are still committed to delivering instruction and to and to continuing the education of our young people, even while we're outside of the physical boundaries of a school. Um, but it's th- the other kind of uncertainty with all of this is that it's it's indefinite. It's not just two weeks and then and then we're back in the classroom. Our board of education, as do many of the boards of education, have to make a decision as to whether or not they are going to extend this absence. And uh, Courtney, my question to you is, how, how do you feel about all of this? I mean, wh- wh- where do you stand or what are some of the things, the emotions that you've been experiencing as all of this has unfolded? Yeah, that's such a good question. I mean, I feel like in the in the age of coronavirus quarantine, the question isn't like, how are you doing? It's like, how are you really doing? <laughs> that's kind of the question that, that I've been coming up with, with a lot of my friends and family. And the answer is like, I'm feeling a little bit, I'm feeling very uneasy. I don't think there's room for a little bit at all. I mean, I, I fluctuate in my emotions, like every hour, every couple hours between feeling like very confident in the current systems that we have in place and optimistic about the instruction we're delivering and grateful that I'm not commuting every day and making the most of kind of the time that I would normally spend, you know, two hours in the car. It's kind of like, in some ways, I'm getting a lot of freedom back, even though there's this restriction of not really being able to leave the house. 
Um, and then I, I like get a New York Times news update or I watch something or I look at a Washington Post simulation. And I'm suddenly like, oh, my God, high alert, freaked out, overwhelmed, feeling unsafe, worried about my family, worried about my parents, my grandparents. It's like really volatile uh, for my mood. Um, but I mean, such a such a blessing to be able to be working during this time and have that sense of normalcy in my own life. Um, you know, I'm sure you're feeling the same way. It's like very heartwarming to connect as a team every morning and to connect with the kids every morning and to continue to have something to give me purpose throughout these seemingly purposeless days. Um, right. But the instructional element of it has been really cool and uh, really creatively demanding. I feel in some ways like I'm starting my journey as an educator all over again you know, day one every day, and then day two, and then day three, and my bandwidth is shorter, I'm learning new things, I'm being pushed in new ways, but it's all part of the process. I mean, like you said, we're all in this together, everyone in the world is dealing with some sort of life disruption. So how are you doing, really? <laughs> um, I, I mean, I reflect those sentiments in the sense that it's been a lot of back and forth in terms of ups and downs. Like I, I see a lot of upside. I mean, I, I'm spending more time with my kids uh, than I normally do. My, my children, my, my, my two kids, uh, not my students, um, in that I, I see them way more. I get to take um, some pressure off of my wife and I, I kind of get more of a childcare responsibility, which I'm sure she has been really grateful for. Um, and just being able to share and participate in their lives a little bit more because of um, the fact that I'm not commuting and I can actually wake up at a, at a leisurely hour uh, these days is pretty nice. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, with every single decision that we've made over the past few days as a family, it, it, it's always like it's uh, it's like risk analysis. It's like, do we go out to get food um, somewhere other than our own home uh, for fear that we uh possibly could contract uh, COVID-19. Uh, you know, we're just now at the time that we're recording this and getting everything together, we are just getting to a point as a country where widespread testing is becoming uh, more of the norm. The tests are more widely available to the public. And so we're starting to get a more clear picture as to what the infection rate looks like. But there's still a lot of uncertainty with that. We don't have hard data just yet. And so whether it's an activity I mean, and, and you know, the, my two little ones—they—they they know they know this is not normal being inside of a house day after day after day. Um, so they're starting to kind of get a little antsy, and and we're trying to figure out things that we could do, like go outside, but not necessarily congregate in 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 mass uh, public areas. Um, so it's just a lot of uncertainty, a lot of you know, real conversations that I've had with my wife these past few days as to you know, what does parenting even look like? But then turning my attention now to my classroom and my kids, um, a lot of the same conversations in that totally. there's, there's a lot of uncertainty and there's a lot of things that I, I wish I had the answers to. I think as educators, we really are in a comfortable spot when we're teaching content that we know and we have the answers, um, or at least we have the clarity on the subject to offer perspective. But totally. being now in a place where we just can't offer that is is unsettling, I think is a word that you used. And, um, and I would agree with that uh, completely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, to take life one day at a time 
is not an experience I've ever had in my own life. It's, it is a new frontier for sure. Yeah. All of this unpredictability and, and all of the, um, ever changing decisions and choices and expectations, uh, is a lot. And, and to try to consume all of that, like you said, while raising your own family or being in your own house or in both of our cases, you know, leading classrooms or participating in, in a job, it's like really unprecedented. It is totally. And, you know, that that's probably a nice transition into the fact that amidst all of this uncertainty, we still got a classroom to lead. We're teaching we still y'all. We scholars. Yeah, we are, we are in the thick of it. And so what we wanted to talk about with this um, episode was we wanted to put together an idea of what our instruction has looked like so far, the way that we're approaching the learning uh, that is happening, not at Odyssey proper, but uh, Odyssey online, if you will. Um, so just, oh, yeah. to share, uh, just to share quickly, um, and, and I know that, uh, Courtney, you had mentioned that you put together uh, kind of a list of these modifications that we have made to our instruction and what that has looked like. Could you just give us uh, like a quick rundown of, of what our day-to-day has looked like in terms of Odyssey and, and the learning that's happening with our scholars? Absolutely. Yeah. Distance learning at Odyssey has been... Um... You know, honestly, in some ways, like every day at Odyssey, where we're being incredibly flexible, um, not only to the best practices within education that we have available to us, but also in terms of like what our scholars really need. So a lot of those first days, you know, Friday afternoon during that weekend, Monday and, and the beginning of Tuesday was so much of establishing that our scholars have everything that they need in order to even be able to distance learn. Right. So that includes things like access to food access to resources, access to technology, access to Wi-Fi for some of them. So kind of reaching out and, and offering that, that support so our scholars can be set up for success was where we started. And then we've run, like, gotten ourselves more into a routine where we wake up and have an all-staff meeting from 9 to 10 a.m. and then meet with our advisories separately, you know, in individual classrooms online <laughs> uh, from 10 to 11. And then we are doing something called uh, studio workshops where three 20 minute increments or two 30 minute increments. We have live Zoom classrooms where scholars are placed based on their need as if it was kind of, you know, like a workshop model in a classroom where you, if you have need in math, you have questions in math, you would go to the math classroom. If you have need or questions with a particular skill in humanities, you'd go to that classroom. So in some cases, it's us placing the scholars. In some cases, it's them asking to be placed themselves. Um, and then there's kind of more, you know, one-on-one opportunity for check-in during office hours from one to four, where scholars can schedule a 10 to 30-minute meeting with a teacher to, to go over like a specific question or skill or assignment that they might, you know, have a question on. And, and then the rest of that time for me is kind of collaborating with our colleagues, checking in on one another, taking care of things in our own homes and, and assessing the learning that we're seeing online, you know, get turned in through the Altitude Learning platform. It's it's really been quite the workflow we've set up for ourselves. What do you think? How did I do? Did I miss anything? No, I think that captured it pretty well. Um, I think just to, to keep our audience in the loop in case they're uh, not familiar, the app 
I guess you would call it that we're referencing Zoom, Z-O-O-M, um, is a video conferencing tool um, that is web-based as well as it is app-based. Um, and you, you, Or if you have no access to technology, as long as you have a touch-tone phone, um, you can participate. You can be a part of the conversation. Uh, obviously, the goal is to be face-to-face -face, uh, with your scholars. And as luck would have it, teaching at a school where all scholars are given a, um, an, an HP um, laptop with the embedded camera, they have the tools, they have the, the means to, to access that, and we're, we're very fortunate. Um, big shout out, of course, to our resources outside of the district, um, you know, for any scholars that don't have Wi-Fi access at home during this uh, time of the, of the virus outbreak. Um, there are resources that have, our district has made available for them to at least have temporary access to Wi-Fi. So it's, it's been really great to watch the community come together and support um, these young people in their learning, um, making sure that they have the tools to make that uh, possible, uh, regardless, um, considering that uh, this outbreak has changed life as we know it uh, on a daily basis, and it's been cool. Um, to see that happen. But I, um, I yeah, I really like uh, the the Zoom. When, when I think about Zoom as a as an educational tool, I think that that shifts my perspective because I think going in with the assumption, oh, it's just another, it's another Skype or it's like FaceTime or something like that. I don't think challenges me to learn more about this tool. Um, and how I can use it effectively with my scholars. So when I, I found that when I changed my mindset and I'm like, okay, this is, I, I'm, I got my teacher hat on, I'm going to use this in the best way that I can to enhance the learning of my scholars, um, then really the possibilities are endless uh, from the chat window feature to the muting and unmuting to, I love the raising your hand feature. So you kinda awesome. Came, organize your your classroom a little bit more kind of um help with that the management piece um it, it's a really beneficial uh tool uh and, and and i've really come to enjoy it i've had a lot of success with it i know we're going to get into talking to our challenges and successes that is certainly uh an area where i think that not only myself but my scholars are starting to get really comfortable using zoom um to the point where we have some established norms with yeah its, it's use. like very and, sophisticated. Uh, and it's and it's intuitive uh, as well, and and I think that that has really helped with the communication piece, keeping everybody um, up on the same page, and and I'm pretty happy with that. How about you, Courtney? Have you had some uh, successes that you'd like to share with our new format of learning? Yeah, similar to you, I've really had such a great time. Um you know, entering into this space as a learner myself, like looking at this new platform, I think I've used Zoom a couple times as a participant, but I've never facilitated a group on Zoom. And um, I'm really liking learning about all these different features, you know, the ones you mentioned and getting creative with like, okay, what community building games can we play on Zoom, using the chat room and using the hand raising and, you know, going around in a in a circle and and sharing out loud and um, I think some strengths that I've seen, you know, I'll call out two. One is the level of patience that our scholars have for this experience and for each other is um, at such a beautiful place right now. Like watching them be patient with one another while they figure out this technology, watching them be inclusive with one another while they welcome each other in and kind of troubleshoot with one another how to work your mic, how to work your video. That has been uh, so special to see. I think that, you know, I, I keep 
thinking to myself the ways that this social distancing in some ways is bringing us closer together. And that's one way that I've, I've really seen it, um, you know, unite us. And then the other thing that, that I feel like has been a, a success has been teaching some um, video conferencing etiquette norms and watching the scholars like identify new norms, um, new best practices and new ways of being on this digital space um, that I think is going to put them at a really advanced place when it comes to taking college classes and and working, you know, eventually into their adult lives, like they're learning skills that a lot of young people are not learning at this point in their lives. Yeah, for sure. I, I've seen such similar um, behaviors in my scholars that you described. And, and I think, you know, not, this is not to pat ourselves on the back, but more just to uh, play up the importance of building relationships with your kids. You know, so much of our focus at Odyssey, especially towards the beginning of the year, is that relationship piece. Um, and even throughout the year within our advisory classes, we do regular work and regular activities around connecting with one another. And at no time have I seen a better payoff of those efforts than I have over the past week with our scholars totally. and the way that they interact with each other and the way that they interact with us. Um, it just give, it gives me so much hope for you know what this generation is capable of because I see so much empathy and I see so much kindness in play right now. It's truly remarkable. It really is. It's like heartwarming. I feel like regularly it like gives me goosebumps and brings me nearly to tears to see them and the way that they're handling the situation and the way that they're supporting one another and supporting me. It's 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 really remarkable. Now, I don't know about you, but there are definitely some challenges that I have oh. already begun to face. And uh, it, it's, I don't even know if, I, if I'm even close to finding the answers to these, but I'll, I'll share one uh, with you right off the bat. You know, we, we talked about these workshops where we have an opportunity for scholars to come in um, and, you know, work on a particular skill or in our case, maybe a competency um, that just quite isn't quite where it needs to be and, and gives us the opportunity to do a little extra work. You know, if, if this were at Odyssey, I really relish those workshop opportunities because I can, um, you know, I, I can I can cordon the class into into different areas and I can. Um, you know, I, I just know to myself, okay, these kids are working on strong thesis statements and these kids are working on implementing evidence in their writing and I could just manage it a lot better. But boy, has that been tough um, not being able to have them in, in an entire room. I like Zoom because it does have this feature where you can create these little breakout sessions mm -hmm. um, and, and, and maybe that's just something that I need to continue to play around with. But overall, you know, when I'm only seeing kids in windows of 20 to 30 minutes, I, I just don't feel like I have been able to get as deep as I would normally be able um, to, to go um, with, without that actual in-person um, contact, with, with, without my ability to utilize my, my classroom to its fullest potential uh, in order to maximize the learning outcomes for all scholars. Uh, involved and and that's something that I'm still trying to uh, to grapple with. Probably my biggest challenge uh, to date. I, I'm not sure if you're having a similar challenge or if there's other challenges that have been uh, plaguing you uh, so far this week. Yeah, you know, for me, the thing that's been particularly challenging has been finding the balance between like learning management and like live assessment and instruction. 
like you're saying, these windows of time are so small. And if we consider, you know, our typical three hour humanities block, as opposed to like a 20 minute breakout session with six or eight kids at a time, it's like suddenly um, the amount of content and support I'm able to provide is extremely limited. And in some ways that comes with so many benefits. Like I feel in some ways, like I'm having really deep and powerful connections of learning with like one or two kids at a time, you know, maybe like five or six. But in terms of reaching in the entire group of a cohort of 31 kids, you know, we have two cohorts, like that just isn't happening at this point. And I think that we can get creative about ways to start delivering instruction and the ways that we can start balancing that sort of new content rollout as opposed to um, just kind of at this point, so many scholars are just going back into work that they either haven't completed or they finished once and got feedback on and they're producing revisions or they're looking at it again for the first time in a couple of weeks or in some cases a couple of months. And I worry that like that backlog is going to soon run out and there's going to be this self-guided learning experience that's going to really take off and have kind of as we're talking through right now, so many strengths and so many weaknesses. And so thinking about the best way to provide individualized support to such a large group of scholars is, um, you know, hurts your head to think about. And uh, yeah, the way that we've broken it up by supporting our advisory, first and foremost, yeah, it's a group of 21 kids in my case, like that is incredibly helpful because I can keep track of those 21 scholars, what they're doing, what they need support on and connect them to the resources necessary but it's like, then I switch roles and I'm in this humanity support place and I can get a group of scholars, but the support that I'm giving them in those 10, 20, or even 30 minutes just feels um, really dwarfed compared to the normal three hours that we're able to have them in our classroom at a time, you know? Absolutely. And I, I, I definitely uh, feel that struggle uh, as well. And so, you know, that kind of, as we kind of are taken to the end of our time here. I think that's left to for us to think to the future. Now, I'm not trying to predict or, or anything here, um, but our governor of California, Gavin Newsom, uh, you know, I, and Courtney, I don't know if you heard this, but yesterday uh, during a press conference, um, in no official uh, way, um, you, you know, this wasn't like a decree or anything, but he was just kind of commenting on his own experiences with his own children. And just kind of matter of factly said, yeah, I'm not sure if classes are going to return before summer break. Yeah. And and it, it was so it was so nonchalant. And I was listening to that, I'm like, oh blah 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 blah. What? What, what I know. Or excuse me. And so, you know, I, I, I'm not saying that we're not going to return to the classroom um in, in a couple of weeks, but I think it would be foolish not to prepare for a future in which we are not out of the classroom for just two weeks, but maybe four, six. I mean, it hurts to say, but eight weeks or more yeah. uh, from everything we're hearing sounds like a very realistic possibility. So I'm wondering if you've had any thoughts or brainstorms. You know, we, we can't do this workshop model uh, week in, week out. we got to deliver some new content. Yeah, you know, I mean, we've got a handful of scholars that were really diligent with staying on top of their um, academic artifact creation, like over the last two trimesters. And so they kind of started this workshop model with like maybe one or two things to revise, but kind of needing new direction. And so we, you and I worked together to create that passion project card for history. And, um, you know, I met with a couple of them yesterday, about 10 of them, where we talked through like the process of developing an interest based inquiry around history. 
and kind of rolled out like, okay, best practices of research. How do you take that research and then form original analyses and syntheses? And then how do you communicate that? Do you want to do a podcast, a PowerPoint, an essay, a video? Do you want to live teach it to me on Zoom? And watching them get their wheels turning made me think like that might be the answer. You know, creating structures for opportunities for kids to have interest-based inquiry across multiple different subjects, you know, and in some cases cross-curricularly, I think to me feels like the most viable potential solution where there's these independent, interest-based, student-centered projects that cover a variety of learning goals and of, of skills and competencies. Um, and then maybe supplemented with little mini lessons on things like, you know, best practices with research, how to cite things, what does academic grammar look like? How do you even make a podcast if that's what you want to do? You know, so that to me seems like where this might be going if we end up in a space where we're, we're working to deliver new content in a couple of weeks. It, well, it's interesting to hear you describe it that way, because if you consider our one of our partner organizations, Big Picture Learning, I, I mean, that is the big picture model. Uh, exactly. In terms of taking charge of your own learning experiences and, and guiding that skill development along things that you are genuinely curious about. And, you know, kind of on a larger, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to wax philosophic here, but, you know, I wonder just not only in the state of California, but around the world, schools and school districts that are having to um, deliver instruction in this way. I'm wondering if there's going to be some longer term consequence because totally. I, I think that there's a lot of tools and things that we're taking advantage of that we just really never dipped ourselves into because we had a comfort zone. You know, yeah. everyone had, this is the way we've been doing it. This has worked for us. And, you know, for better, or for worse, I'm, I'm wondering if we're going to see a departure um, towards a, a new style of learning, even, even if it's on a, on a smaller scale. Um, I, I have to believe that these experiences are going to further shape and inform the way we give instruction in the future. I, don't, I mean, what do you think? Yeah. I mean, looking at it through a macro lens, it's like, a crisis like this really does illuminate the like space that's being filled by so many different industries. I mean, if you think about the ways that education is being recognized as not only a place where kids learn, but also a place where they eat, where they have access to, you know, networks of support and social. Um, oh, gosh. Sorry. This is the problem of having a dog. <laughs> Um, these, he's just <laughs> trying to get on. He's just trying to get in there, man. He's, he yeah. wants he wants some recognition. He really wanted to be mentioned in the podcast. Um, okay, wow. Where was I going with that? Um, like on a macro scale, all these changes that we're going to start to see these systemic changes because suddenly these infrastructures that have that you know that are 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 broken in some areas. Those those broken pieces, those holes are starting to become illuminated in such a real way. Um, and so watching systems like education be valued for everything that they that they offer, watching, you know, healthcare shift and, and change. It's really, I mean, such a fascinating space to be in. Totally. And, you know, from from a social science perspective, I think you have to respect that this is this is uh, a fascinating time uh, in our society. It is, it is truly just extraordinary. Um, the developments that have been taking place, and they're changing by the day. So who yeah. knows, by the time we end up getting this thing published, that the landscape or the the outlook could be wildly different. And we are planning on um, 
continuing this conversation um, and just adding more perspective uh, from from a couple of educators here in Southern California um, to just hopefully shed light on on the impact that this is having on schools and classrooms and and learning in general. So um, you stay tuned. We're we're definitely going to be uh, bringing some more uh, content. Uh, I, I think we should try to get some of our colleagues in on this and, and give them the space to reflect on uh, on their work as well. What do you think? Totally. I love that idea. You know, I even just this morning scheduled a uh, like pop in from from Paul Hudak, who's actually been on the show before uh, our environmental sustainabilities coordinator. And he is going to come into my advisory tomorrow morning, our advisory Zoom call and do a live stream from the uh, greenhouse back at Odyssey. You know, he, he's been That's granted awesome. special permission to go there and, and water the plants and, and take care of the fish. And I think that it's just I mean, when I told the scholars he was joining our call there, they like lit up, you know, some of them that had muted their video came on the video and they were like, Paul's coming. Um, <laughs> so just hearing those familiar voices and sharing our experiences. I mean, it's never felt more important than it is right now. I can't wait to see how that, or at least hear about how that uh, that turns out. Maybe I'll jump out of my Zoom call and and, and join, oh my God, join and come over really quick. Yeah, yeah I'll I'll get all my kids uh, in on it. Yeah, absolutely. You guys are more than welcome to to pop in and and you know for both of us, I think in the meantime, um, I've got my my updates going on Twitter. I'm trying really hard to be in this reflective place where every day I'm tweeting a couple of uh, my noticings or my wonderings or my observations. So at Courtney notices um, is where you can find more of my noticings. And, you know, we, we don't want to um, keep this encapsulated either. If you've got questions or things that you're wondering about, heck, we'd, we'd love to, to answer them right here um, on the podcast. Feel free to reach out to us uh, via email. I'm going to include the email in the, the notes uh, for the episode. So whether you're listening on SoundCloud or um, Apple Podcasts, you'll be able to, to see that in the text of the show. So feel free to reach out and uh, we'd be happy to, to field any questions you may have. But until our next update, thank you so much for joining us. This is the Odyssey of Learning Podcast. I'm Hunter. And I'm Courtney from my kitchen. <laughs> have a great day, folks. Bye.